Welcome to the Not-For-Profit On Purpose podcast series. This series is designed to help guide you on your journey through the not-for-profit space in terms of all things not-for-profit, including structures, setting up your not-for-profit, how you report, board governance, accounting, and anything else you could possibly think of in regards to not-for-profit. G'day, it's Justin Hulk from Rightsource here. Welcome back. Um, we're talking not-for-profits, corporate governance, and today I want to talk about conflict of interest, which is a really interesting topic when you're dealing with boards and not-for-profits generally. So I wanted to talk through so a bit of the background of conflict of interest and what that means for directors and organizations, and then specifically what that might look like and what it means for not-for-profits. And if you're on a not-for-profit board or working with a not-for-profit, what that actually means. So, okay, conflict of interest, where does it come from? Well, all directors under the Corporations Act has director's duties. Um, so that's enacted through the Corporations Act, but also at common law. So if you're a director of an organization, you have a duty to that organization to act in the company's best interest and to not misuse your position either by getting information or to profit from it or anything like that. So you're not there to benefit yourself, you're there to benefit the organization. So that that is the core of what a director is required to do. Quite often when uh, when you see directors who've breached those those obligations, it's because they've acted in the interest of something else, either themselves, family member, another company, rather than the organization that they're a director of. And this is what gives birth to the conflict of interest, is that rather than acting in the interest of the company, they've acted in the interest of something else. Now, it doesn't always need to be that they've deliberately done it or they've intentionally done it. Sometimes it's just because they have two interests that compete, they've made a choice and they've made a choice to move in one direction. They haven't done it realizing that that is actually a breach of their duties. And I mean, life is complicated. There's a rich mixture of what you're involved with and who you're working for and who your family is. So it's not always obvious where you might have a conflict of interest. So that's what conflict of interest, when we talk about conflict of interest and the process around it from a governance point of view, what that is meant to do is to, one, help raise the level of awareness of, com- of potential conflicts of interests. So in terms of both making sure that they're transparent to everybody, but also that you're aware that they could exist. And then to make sure that those conflicts of interest are managed in a way that doesn't breach the duties you have as a director. Does it mean that you can't have conflicts? And in fact, that that isn't what it's about. It's not about eliminating conflicts necessarily. It's about making sure that they're consciously managed. That's what we're trying to achieve with conflicts of interests. What does a conflict of interest framework look like? Well, first of all, you'll have a, a policy or something, a governance document that'll say, will help educate those directors, but also those within the organization what a conflict of interest might look like. So um, it'll give examples, it'll define a conflict of interest, um, and usually it'll define it as actual, perceived, or potential. And then with that understanding what a a conflict of interest might look like, it'll have, there'll be a process then to register your interests because they're not necessarily conflicts. What you wanna be doing is registering the interest that may lead to a conflict of interest, and that way that helps the transparency when a conflict might arise. So you'll have a process to register interest and then there will be a register that's kept that people can refer to to see who's 
where people have interests and where that may cause conflict. The last step in that process then will be, well, if there is identified a, a conflict of interest, how is that managed? Now, basically what you want to do is you want to be making sure that the director doesn't put themselves in a position where they've used their position as a director to put another interest above the interest of the company. So the easiest way to do that is to remove them from the decision-making process. So if there's a conflict of interest they have or a potential conflict of interest that you want to ma manage, the easiest way to manage that conflict is to remove them from that specific decision where they have a conflict. So it doesn't mean they have to be removed from the board or they have to leave the organization, but if there's a decision that's going in front of the board, you remove them from that decision-making process. Now, the extent that you move them, remove them, it can be that they don't see any papers, they don't have any part of the discussion, and they don't get to vote. Or it could be they do get to be part of the discussion, but they don't get to vote. It really depends on how the board wants to manage it. This is where it comes down to, it's that management of the process. Then they may still even be happy for the director to vote or be part of that decision-making process depending on what the conflict is and how they feel it's managed. The important part for the board is to make sure that whatever they decide and how that conflict is managed and that that conflict was identified is put in the minutes so that if later on there's ever a question about, well, something was done and we think the director breached their, their um, duty as a director and they had a conflict of interest, the minutes can then show, well, the board was aware of it, this is how they managed it, and they felt that that was an adequate way to manage it, and there hasn't been a breach. So that's encapsulating what a conflict of interest is and, and how it should be managed. And not that, I reiterate, not that you shouldn't have them, but they should manage them to make sure that you don't breach your director's duties. That's it. So we've been through the conflict of interest process and how that looks generally. So how does that look for a not-for-profit? Well, effectively, it looks the same. A few little challenges not-for-profit has on top of that, though. So when a not-for-profit is creating its board and bringing directors onto the board, quite often they're looking for directors with experience that they can use within the organization, as well as the directors are already invested in the purpose. So they want to get involved in the organization. So this can, can create issues where it can create a potential for conflict. So as an example, say you bring a director in who has really good operational knowledge. They don't want to be the CEO, but they want to help with a part of the operations and effectively help with an operational role as well as a director's role. Now, this can be done, and quite often you'll have boards who are operational as well as strategic. What that creates though is a potential conflict. So, and let me give you work through that. So say the division that that director is working operationally isn't performing very well. And the directors are now having to make a decision on how they recruit or um, with the CEO, whether they axe that division that the director is working in. Well, the director has a, a vested interest in their work and their, in that division as well as being a director on the board. So it may create a, a conflict, but there's definitely could be a perceived conflict of interest if the director doesn't want that division to be cut because that's where they're doing work. So all you do to manage that decision is go okay well that director can't be involved in the decision making process of whether we keep that division because they have a conflict so you remove them from the decision making process that way they can still operate in that area they can still bring their knowledge to the organization that they might be doing for free or at a reduced rate 
and adding value and still participate at a board level in the majority of the rest of the board decisions. They may even be involved in that process and that discussion, but you remove them from the decision-making process that they may have a conflict on so that down the track, it won't be called into question. The other, I suppose, aspect that to touch on with conflict of interest and not-for-profit is that perceived conflict of interest. Now, it's important to look at perceived conflicts of interest whether you're not-for-profit or not. In a not-for-profit, however, that perceived conflict can have a large implication. So if you make decisions of, as directors and your stakeholders decide or feel that there might have been a conflict of interest, that can have a large impact on the organization because a lot of your stakeholder, stakeholders may be providing you funds. They may be the ones donating to your organization to allow it to continue operating. If those donors and those stakeholders feel that the board has not operated in the company's best interest, they will take their funds somewhere else, which effectively will harm your organization and may even call into question the viability of the organization. So that's where managing conflict of interest in a not-for-profit can often be escalated to an even higher level and people be very particular about managing them. And that's why perceived as well. But I reiterate, it's not that you don't want to remove them completely. It's about managing them so that you have the process and the both the substantiation that you manage the conflict, but also that if there is a perceived conflict, which can be trickier, that you manage it in a way that isn't going to damage your organization. So it's about managing the conflict, not removing the conflict. And that's really it about conflict of interest. So both in terms of what it is, where it comes from, and then I suppose some implications in terms of the not-for-profit space and how that can be managed. If you liked what you heard today, feel free to subscribe to the podcast series. And if you'd like some more information, check me out on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and answer any questions you might have. Otherwise, thanks for listening. It's Justin Hogg from RightSource.